Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello! Listen, you smell something? Cook it down. Welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. And I'm Chancellor. Uh, we are friend, fans, we're filmmakers, and we're fairly certain the title of this episode is going to get us in a bit of deep water. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Mr. Mansour Noor. Say hi, Mansour. Hey, how you going? Hi, Mansour. Mansour is an actor friend of ours. Jo- uh, Chancellor and I have worked with him before, but I don't think I've ever directed with you. I've just, no. I've just, I like, I co acted. Oh, yeah, I forgot you acted in that as well. I know, I know. I forget. I forget. Mo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the only person. I'm so embarrassed because we had, I had like a Polaroid camera that I had to click and we did like four takes and it wouldn't click on me and I thought it was broken. Then Pat would take it off my hand. Pat was directing and he just snaps it and it works and I was like fuck I'm ruining every take now <laughs> and so I was like I just went and like it would never work anyway stick so, behind the camera yeah, no, or not pretending. behind the camera we just faked it yeah yeah we faked it but I feel bad because Pat had like bought film and wanted to do it practically yeah. and I just ruined his dreams of being Edgar Wright <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell us about it, a bit about yourself Mansell about me all right uh well I'm an only child <laughs> that says it all right uh, yeah, no. I, Wait, are you, are you an only child? I'm an only child. My dad had 19 siblings. I think he was one of 19. So he, he learned his lesson. He was like, <laughs> he don't he do was that. Like, he's like, like shit. He was the oldest too. And so for me, I guess I grew up as like this sort of introverted Middle Eastern kid. And then in uh, primary school, I was put in a play called Billy Goat Gruff and the Baby Troll. And I played Billy Goat Gruff, which, you know, like many Disney films, I thought was typecasting. And uh, from then on, I just uh, kept... Being in shows, and I was the Grinch in grade seven, which is was ironic all, because wait. of your facial hair. I don't know. I mean, I think so. I was growing up. <laughs> like you're from- a, you're a, a, a Billy Goat who are notably goateed. Uh, you, you, you were the Grinch. The who, Grinch who stole Christmas. Whose main plot line is about how he needs to shave when he's. T- I think this is like, just all to do with your beard. Maybe you saw. Maybe it wasn't typecasting according to my religion. It was more uh, <laughs> typecasting. Only the beard. <laughs> Having facial hair. Like, facial oh, hair. he's the only kid with a beard. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's that's what got you into acting. That's what got me into acting. So I was real introverted before that, and from there I found the sort of joy and happiness and performing and. That happens with a lot of introverts. Like they go, to, like, like I know that's Ike was a total shut-in bookworm, had no friends for most of school, and then I, like, I got in through to filmmaking this weird circuitous route through acting. Because mm-hmm. I wanted, because when you watch movies and you're like, oh, I want to be a part of that. The, the only real reference you have as a kid is the actors that you see, and so you're like, oh, well, I want to do that. That's the job, and then. It happened like like later on that I was like, oh, people make these movies. I also was like terrible on camera. 
<laughs> so it happened in like I I switched in that period. I like went through puberty and I was doing like musical theater and all that kind of stuff. And my voice was breaking. I was too old for the young roles. I was too young for the old roles. So I couldn't do anything. And so then I went behind the camera and I was like, oh shit, I love this so much more. It was. It I was, feel like that is a common theme. It, yeah, I did the yeah. same thing. Well, I, Tar- I went to film school first. Oh really? Yeah. Oh well, you did the oh. other. You went to film school and then acting. Yeah, so did I, reverse yeah. transfer. When I grew yeah. up, I uh, decided that I would get behind the camera because it seemed like a easier route i don't know why i thought that <laughs> i guess probably subconsciously because of the lack of representation of people like me on screen especially in australia i was yeah. legitimately about mm. to make that as a joke but i realized now that's probably <laughs> that's probably true <laughs> but probably true uh no yeah so that's why i went to film school first and then straight out of film school uh, but, then, but then did you realize that there was also a lack of representation of people of color behind the camera and you're like oh shit oh, no. <laughs> it's interesting I, yeah i didn't uh I've only just recently noticed that because I'm looking to crew for recently a noticed. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like in the in the public sphere, like indie sphere is always just like this is like black, I, like I just, void of 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 people of color. I just noticed it like at our university, even like there are just, two yeah. people of color. I think mm. like there's no one in my trimester. I just realized we no had, one in yours. Uh, my film school yeah. had well, we didn't well, have a lot of color. No, there is a, in both of us. Oh, did I just forget them? Because yeah. I'm so racist. We had, <laughs> we, had, we had an Iranian girl named Laran who was a director on, on the grad films. Um, oh, John Sue, right. John mm. Su, is, she, is she directing? Uh, no, she, she's an editor. Women of colour, woo. Yeah. It's so true. I didn't, I mean, film school, I think, looking back now, and I wasn't telling sort of stories that were true to my culture when I was at film school. I was telling very white Anglo stories uh, <laughs> and was even asked to write something that was closer to to my culture yeah, and i was like, appropriating our culture like, what do you mean <laughs> um and so yeah right i'm appropriating you guys i'm sorry uh and so and even at drama school i think i was i was one of two people of color in my year whereas now uh at the actor center i think the next year that's about to graduate is like 70 percent color yes yeah i think that was just a that just happened i don't think it was a conscious choice yeah i love i love when you see like competition i saw there was a competition we won't name them uh but they were like oh we've got 50 percent female things and it just happened by accident i'm like yeah. if it was like 55 or yeah. 45 i'd buy that more than exactly half yeah, and exactly half. it just seems like a stretch and you can tell when they're trying to pretend like it's not because does that does that bug you when it's like a someone gets like reduced to being like oh we want to make ourselves look a lot less racist so that's why you have a, a job or, or opportunity? Look, I think affirmative action is a good thing. Oh no, so, inherently. So I, at the moment, I'm accepting it for what it is, which is putting more and more people out there. But I, yeah, it is frustrating mm. at times. I, I feel like it, it's a necessary evil. Well, yeah, like absolutely. we have to get, do it now, so the future is more open for these opportunities. It's I, I saw a really great interview with Lexi Alexander, the director of um, uh, the Punisher, Punisher War Zone, Zone yeah. and she, I mean she has some controversial views, re piracy, but she had a really good point because she was on a podcast and she was asked about affirmative action, and then there, there came up the the topic of oh, shouldn't it be about the best person for the job? Mm. Which is a phrase that I just want to throw up because like it inherently assumes that then some like someone. Of color isn't, isn't yeah. the best person for the job, but um, she had a point. Is like, I, it kind of boiled down to, it's not the best thing to do, but like, it's the only solution we have at the moment given the situation we're in. If we were in a world where you could like sprinkle powder over the whole earth that stopped everyone being racist and sexist and homophobic, mm-hmm. then it would be about the best person for the role. But it's not because everyone has inherent biases. I, I found I was writing 
and envisioning characters as inherently white when I was doing it, mm-hmm. just because it's in it's just ingrained. So was I. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just you just grow up with being exposed to that, and then you start. You, I just found I start questioning. I started questioning. I saw, you know, the TV show Empire. Mm-hmm. I watched that, and that's a, the first season was great. It got the writing got like abysmal really fast. But the first season of that every character is black except for one, and I picked up on it. I was like. Oh shit! I'm noticing now the token. No, it wasn't a token. token. It was like a. It was like she was a well-rounded character for the first season. Um, but I was like, oh, I'm now noticing what it's like to be the odd one out. Be the odd one out. And I was like, oh fuck! And so I've just tried to make a conscious effort, but you you get a bit of trouble in like the the indie scene where there's just not a lot of. I I guess like a lot of them, like yourself, moved down to Sydney because there's just more opportunities there anyway. (laughs) We live, we live here and make films in Queensland where like I, had to, I did audition to film and I think I only had two people of colour apply and I cast one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, uh, I recently did a casting for my short film, Pizza Deliverance, name drop. Because um, whenever I write something, I have a vision of what I want those characters to be, but I never write that into the script just so I'm more open to things. So when I did uh, L Plates, my first uh, short, in my head it was so obvious to me that the main guy was Asian and the main girl was a redhead. Never wrote that in the script. I had one Asian guy apply uh, surprisingly no redheads but also no women of colour who applied at all and when I did a pizza in my head the main guy was uh, either Indian or black of some description uh, and the girl I didn't really think of the girl but there was another character who was specifically Japanese for a joke that I have in the script and I had more white people apply for the (laughs) Japanese character Mm. than anyone uh anyone of color applying for the female lead which was just so bizarre yeah because it specifically said japanese and yeah, like white people, people like yeah no i'm probably japanese that's fine i can do it i, I had it happens in hollywood some of the four <laughs> japanese girls who actually came and applied for that role i was like was there a reason you didn't apply for the first one and they were like oh i didn't well, I, I, I didn't realize I could. That's I what like, I found is that if you really don't sad. specify, the default is white. And then if you specify one, any character that isn't specified is assumed to be white. I had an actress apply for my feature film and I didn't specify races on any of these people. I preferred there was like two characters that are related and they're meant to be related because it's like an incest joke. And so I was like specifically, I, whatever race they are, I just need them to be the same. Um, but I had an Asian actress, she emailed me and she was like, look, I'm really interested in the film. I know you probably weren't envisioning an Asian actress for this role. And I like, I had to reply. I'm like, what the, f-? no, no, please apply, apply. But she never ended up doing it. And it's, it's weird that that's like a thing now that you don't you don't see when you're on the, that side of the casting chair, but uh, casting couch. No, that's that's the terrible thing we don't want. That's the, <laughs> we don't want that. No, but when, when you're on the, the the doing of the casting thing, that's almost something you don't see. And if you don't know about it, you, you don't. It's a mentality that's kind of like infected the minds of everybody now. It's just like it's, it has. It's thankfully yeah. changing, like you said. I think mm-hmm. I think we're seeing. And it's probably because of family action and probably because there are just some people that are like, no, fuck it, we're just going to do a... Sh-. Like, I think Empire did a huge thing for casting in television because it was the numbers that that show was pulling. It was better than The Walking Dead. It was like the highest rated show in America. It was pulling numbers they hadn't seen for like 20 years when they were, back when there was only like 
12 channels um and then we're seeing it we're seeing it i think we're going to next year when black panther comes out because mm-hmm. the reaction to that just based on like the poster oh, God alone fucking damn it <laughs> oh, is every, like, so good like ava duvernay is like sharing about like oh, ava ryan, duvernay, ryan, yeah yeah ryan, uh, uh, ryan coogler her, like, her, her and ryan coogler are like i thought parents. you were talking about all the backlash based on that first poster with him on a chair where they're like it's black power it's white genocide wow. oh no white genocide is the weird like no. like like no one's murdering anyone one with a movie that's, i don't i like i, I can I, like like if, i don't know i've seen some pretty bad movies uh. <laughs> well look and, and you know uh we should circle back though uh what, what <laughs> acting what kind of actor are you ah uh, oh god i hate this Method question actor. i hate this question because it's well i always think of it as oh are you comedic or are you dramatic or whatever that might be <laughs> uh, i think i'm every sort of actor but right. like, like as far as like, how do you, how do you? What's my process? Work? Yeah, your process. What's your process? What's my process? Uh, I guess uh, what's something that remains fairly private for most people. Shame, but uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> I think so. But uh, I guess it's just. Uh, I mean, I obviously grab the text to begin with, and make sure you can find any information that you can in that text, and then work with your director and, and form whatever it is that you need to do. For do you do a lot job. of improv? Uh, I don't. I don't. I like to stick to. Well, if I've got a script, I like to respect the writer's words. Yes, <laughs> You're as speaking best I my can. language as best I can. They <laughs> no. say in film it's not as important, but in theater it's absolutely essential. You have to hit every single word. Well, it depends on the show, I reckon. I, I, like, well, I, I, there's a couple of shows. There's the play that goes wrong, which specifically has sections to vamp in for different well, things specific, yeah, and different. then and the complete works of William Shakespeare. Yeah, is another I was about one that to say. Oh, because yeah, I saw that with you. You saw that with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which it went has for like, like forty sh- minutes longer than it was meant to. <laughs> <laughs> It has like huge chunks really? where the actors are meant to to improvise. But anyway, so you've worked on like you've worked you've actually worked on like some big professional sets. I don't know why you sound surprised. No, 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 no. <laughs> actually, it's like, done no, no, stuff. surprised because like you're doing I haven't. better than us. Oh, I sure. haven't. We're, I mean, it's like, like, it's like we're, we're humbled to <laughs> you. Like you guys aren't trying, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you've been on. What have you been on? You've been on. You've been on Clever Man. Mm-hmm. You worked on uh, a show called Trip for Biscuits, which Trip I really love. Which is available on, is it still available on ABC iView? Or it is, it, it is. And on iTunes as well. That was a weird show because you were like, your character was like someone's uncle, but you were like the same age as the person, wasn't it? I wasn't the same age. Catherine Millius was like, I think she was in high school when we shot it. So, I was, so you know, that's not I mean, remotely that's not... the same age, surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I guess I really guess, far in age, but yeah. it was a case of I think I was right for the role because I was replacing a white guy. So there was a white guy it's in the white league. Genocide in, in white genocide. White genocide. <laughs> genocide in I threatened them. I said, "You need to put me in this show." Uh, they, yeah, they had a white guy, and he was a, maybe I think he was a little bit older than me, but not much. Uh, but you know, the relationship is that we are uncle and. I'm an uncle through marriage. So oh. we never explained that in the show. Okay, we, right. We I, was like, I was just like, I was, I was like his uncle. And my question wasn't even like a race thing. No, of course it wasn't. My question was like, but he's her age. How does that like, and I guess like hypothetically that can happen as long as one person had like kids really far apart, which has, like I know people who are like. Uh, my auntie is well, a year younger than me. So My uncle is a year younger than me. Bro. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad's oh, brother. You're the weird one, Shane. I'm the weird one with the messed up family, <laughs> <laughs> which is not far off the truth. Oh, yeah, well, that's good. And, and what, what, you but did, what else have I done? I don't even know. This feature film, Project Eden. I did Project Eden. Mm. Uh, I worked on Stephen Saul's Embedded. Was it Stephen who's? Stephen Saul, he's a prominent Australian writer. Oh, wow. Play writer. Oh, so it was a play. It was, play. Well, done, it was, no, done? It was his first feature. Oh, film. right, okay. Yeah. Is it available anyway? It is. Yeah, I think it's on iTunes. Wait, wait, I, what size role are you in it? 
Uh, I play, uh, I want to say terrorist number five, but actually I think I was terrorist number one in that film. <laughs> oh, oh so you, man, that's played. an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Was it like I a well the other terrorists. So I was, they were like, do you know anyone else that could? And I was like, yeah, I got heaps of friends. Oh, really? <laughs> let's bring them all I on got board. loads of terrorist friends. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. Well, so let's, let's dive into that a bit. Sure. Uh, like, like the, the, cause that's the story. Cause you are a Middle East. You're from, you, yeah, you speak Farsi. I so speak, uh, Iranian? Yeah. Mm, close. I speak Dari, which is a dialect of Farsi. And my parents are from Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I was, I was like, I was like, very I've, close though. I've, I was like, I probably should have asked you that before because now I seem like a bit. Well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. So maybe oh, that's why you never asked. No, but see, I'm, see my, I'm specifically fascinated with languages and cultures and sure. specific things <laughs> as just like a, because my life is so boring. Um, <laughs> no. But so, so like Middle Eastern actors, te- like, I mean, I read a couple of articles about this. Like the go-to role you guys get is mm-hmm. terrorists. There's terrorists and then there's doctor. And then there's lawyer. Do you get Whoa. the con- lawyer? Wait, lawyer. lawyer? Lawyer, like, think like man in suit, like of authority. Because, really? Well, I think I think it's legal influenced team, by like legal guy. team type. I think it's influenced by the fact that like many people of color come and work really hard in sort of in the doctor field or like the in the really difficult fields. Well, I get I get the doctor nice the doctor thing makes sense, but like it's weird because you see so many medical shows pre like the last 5 years and it's like excessively white night. That doesn't look like any hospital yeah. I've ever gone to ever, but it's I mean it's changing. They're not um, lead lawyers. They're like, you know, lawyers that are there for a scene. For a scene. <laughs> oh, right. You know, like, oh, I'm just here to drop in and anyone like that looks sort of authoritative but well, isn't. Spe- I just realized, speaking of medical shows, I forgot to ask the question that we start every podcast with, which oh, is what have yeah. you been watching? We're going to like, this is weird. This is going to be a messy episode, but it's a fun episode. We're well, speaking of, because I just caught up on um, The Good Doctor, mm-hmm. which is a very fascinating is show. Is it about a black doctor? No. I'm not no. interested then. But it's about a doctor with autism. <laughs> Freddie Highmore. And something so interesting, because yeah. another show I watched this week is The Good Place. I finally finished season one. And it's so fucking good. Because <laughs> yeah. um, we had a conversation a while back and you were talking about how just how like, like low key diversities, yeah, absolutely. as a show, and the Good Doctor is very much like that too. It's it's there are a whole with the exception of so Freddie Highmore plays like an autistic doctor, and then this is like old geezer mentor who's dying of cancer. It's not a spoiler alert. They say it in like the first scene he's in, and then literally every single other prominent character is a person of color. They have a an uh, he's he's a, he's an African gentleman, but he's got an English accent. I assumed he was Indian, which is bad on my behalf. But uh, and then they've got Hispanic and African American doctors in in this hospital, and like and there are whole scenes because that's the thing I think you might like you might start picking up on is that. Like, it, it, you know, the Bechtel test where it's like two women talking to each other about something other than a man. And there's sort of got to be like a race version of that because you, a lot of the time, a lot of the time people of color aren't put in the same scene with each other. Mm-hmm. They're not made to talk. Whereas the good doctor has whole swaths of this show where it's just all people of color talking to each other for the whole scene about medicine and, and the patient and their relationship issues. It's a very like old school show. It's very, cause it's from the creator of house and it feels very much from the era, but it's like the anti house because it's about a doctor who's like, can't sense irony or anything like that. So, cause he's autistic. So it's like a, it's a really interesting show if a little bit dated in the way they plot it. And then the good place too, 
Was, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Oh, what a show. It's so good. I just finished season one and I'm like, holy fuck, where is this <laughs> show going? Right, but the then, end of because the only reason I haven't watched season two yet was because I finished it right before the mid-season <laughs> finale of season two and I'm like, mm-hmm. then I'd have to wait ages. You know, I, I can't deal with yeah, that Yeah, I'm waiting ages at the moment. It yeah, you're, you're all smarter than me. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you need your fix. Oh, see, but I've got so many shows that are like, I'm going to be watching that because I've got so many other shows to fill my time. I don't have to like sit and wait for something. But um, the, the, I knew the twist coming in because someone had spoiled it for me and it's still oh, no. excellently made. Yeah. Like I love that that show is like, a, there's that whole thing about like the high concept sitcom. It's like, oh, an alien roommate or something. And then what happens is it's just the same gag over every episode. It's that he's an alien, so he does things that humans don't or something like that. Someone the, doesn't like Mork and Mindy. <laughs> I get it. But The Good Place, like... The, the crux is that it's like it's it's the afterlife and you'd think oh the joke would be oh you can't do something but like the show builds this really deep mythology around how the afterlife works and the mechanics of it all it's and then they twist it yeah, every they time twist it every time it's the most inventive like high concept thing i've ever seen wait until season two is it does it get better oh yeah they just keep changing things up. oh really they oh, have okay. to like it it's fully yeah. builds yeah it really yeah all right cool and then the other thing i watched i rewatched get out because oh, cool. okay, uh, yeah. fuck that movie. I, I loved it the first time I saw it, but I was a bit, because I was coming into it blind and then I kind of figured out the twist of the movie really early on because it's very similar to the skeleton key. Um, I think deliberately so. There's a, a point to me about it. I can't do it without spoiling it. But um, and I watched it again and fuck, that movie is so good. How is that a first feature from, from him? It's I, get that he's I love how they've made like college classes around and Jordan Peele just goes into the classes and he's like, oh, I have an opinion. He sits in the back of the oh, room. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Are they videos? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and they're oh like, and, and it's like, and I think it's really empowering and inspiring for like- It's good, but men. it's also just it's like-, like that's that's the kind of thing is that I think as opposed to you're seeing like movies about black people and they're always playing the maid or they're always playing a slave and this was like a genre piece. It was like something where a black actor, like it's still about race and, and racism specifically but like they actually can work in a genre that, you know, as opposed to, you know, if you're always playing a terrorist, it's either going to be like a drama or an action film, no? Yeah. I mean, don't forget, this Get Out was nominated for Best Comedy or Musical. I was going to say that, <laughs> fucking Golden Globes. So, you know, it's a kind so of, it was it's, a musical, it's, right? So it was a musical, yeah. yeah. The Golden Globes, Great. but they also the Golden Globes also nominated The Tourist as Best Comedy. Uh, oh, so the Martian. Yeah. Well, The Martian, I get. Oh, it, it's yeah. a comedy. The book is fucking hilarious. The movie a, was the movie pretty funny. The movie the had character. a lot of, like, the int- like moments that were into. I didn't love The Martian as much as everyone else. But the, the character is funny, whereas the situation, not so much. No. Bit intense, you know. Oh yeah, but that's where you find the best humor. Uh, Like, yeah, Get Out. I mean, Get Out. I can see the comedy came into it big. It's there's a lot of dark comedy in it, but it was inherently to me a horror picture. I like Jordan Peele calls it a social thriller, but to me, it's horror. It's a cause of documentary. Yeah, as a joke, is like a a a clap back at the Golden Globes for nominating it for comedy. But anyway, what have you been watching, Josh? Well, I watched uh, the Disaster Artist, The Last Jedi. Yeah, well, the last so, Jedi. We had a big twenty-minute yeah. conversation about that one last yeah. week. Yeah, uh, it's oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, actually, love both of those movies so much. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah they're a bit like, oh, like I think there's a comment to make about when we do a uh, review of the year. But like, a lot of these films are like a bit rough around the edges, or, like not perfect. But I still like enjoyed the fuck I out of those them. movies. To be better, I mean, you can. Re- you, I don't think you can ever really find a perfect movie in that yeah. respect because there's always something you're picking out but you yeah, know I, I love that we love I mean we talked about it last week love the disaster artist there was a lot of 
inspiring moments, especially yeah. like hitting home. Oh, it actually quite close. really hit me like really hard, and I was like, and I knew it was going to be in there, but I didn't know how like how effective it was going to be executed. And yeah, like oh, beautiful. And then the Last Jedi. Did you go spoilers last week? Or we did, did all we spoilers last week. Okay, so like I just it is like an egg sitting in the sun on a windowsill for six weeks. That's how much we spoiled it. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a strong visual. Yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm just completely intrigued by it now. Um, no, but if we're going to, we're allowed to continue a little bit of spoilers, like the idea, like the, the immediacy of it all, like how it's kind of like a chase movie. Yeah, in the yeah, sense, we, like we it's just like yeah. you, just like you're right into the action. And it's like, I, I said on. that. I said I'm yeah. pretty sure it's Mad Max. Mad Max Fury Road had a big influence on Last Jedi because the whole mm. movie is a pursuit. Yeah, it's and a chase, I said this like, like when we I saw Mad Max, I was like, hey guys, I reckon this movie is actually going to really start shaping blockbuster filmmaking, but give it like two or three years for those filmmakers to have seen it to start implementing it. Hundred percent, it's in the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I love the direction that they took Luke Skywalker. Skywalker, I know people hate that, and I'm just like, nope, it's those people are wrong. Yeah, it's beautiful, and I, I even Mark Hamill kind of disagrees. Yeah, Mark yeah. Hamill hates it, but it's his best performance. Well, his only real good performance, I think. He, yeah, no, outside no, no, of the no, Joker, no, no, uh, 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 Brigsby Bear, but that's that's in my top ten. That there's a movie or called his Brigsby little cameo in Mr. Science Theater Three Thousand: The Return. Oh, I haven't seen that, <laughs> but no, he's in a movie called Brigsby Bear that came out this year, and the movie is if you like the disaster artist, Brigsby Bear is even. Even going to hit home more, hundred okay. percent more. I won't. I do not want to spoil anything because that is a movie you best go in blind. But like Mark Hamill's in it, he's got a smallish role. He's really good in it. But anyway, I would argue his best role was in uh, uh, Jane Silent Bob, Bob Strikes yeah. Back. Yeah. As what was his name? I know it's it like was the, the Cockknocker. Yeah, the Cockknocker or something. <laughs> um, Some actually, form of actually Joe another Rogers, film though. I watched because I bought it was The Big Sick. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, yes. oh, yeah, sure. What did you think? Yeah, what did you think? I really yeah, what was. did you think? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> guilty, guilty. <laughs> um, no, I really liked it. It was flawed. It wasn't like, I believe all the hype around it was kind of like, I agree with, but it was an embellished version of what I think. But I think I, it just ran on too long. It's like, I, I watched that and Dunkirk back to back. Mm. And it was really interesting that Dunkirk, the Christopher Nolan big war epic, is the shorter movie yeah, by like twenty five minutes. Yeah, but to be honest, like I was really just captivated by like the performances and the sweetness of it all and the like sincerity of everything. Oh, like good. I love Kamal. Like he does the, mount, oh, the meltdown with Jonah, mm-hmm. the guy from uh, Mr. Science Theater, and I was, I've always loved his work and like his relationship with Emily Gordon. Mm. Yeah, this is beautiful. I love to see. I love the. St- Story and I love the characters and I love the dialogue. I just wish they shot it better. Oh, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I can the agree most with that. Yeah, camera work I have seen yeah. Yeah. all year. Because I believe, yeah, you, very you, TV. You said that to me before I watched it, and I was like, oh, I'm I should look. I try like, not to spoil things. No, 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 like that's all you said, and I was looking out for it, and I was like. Mm, yeah, it just bugs it's, me now because mm. there's no, like after seeing me and Earl and the Dying Girl, there's no excuse to take it. What would be a generic story that? Because the excuse used to be that, oh, we shoot. It's a, it's a dramatic story. It's not about these wild. It's not like a Tarantino thing. We're not throwing the camera around everywhere, so the camera needs to be settled and not really intrusive. And I saw you know me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and it's like the perfect ex, like antidote to that attitude because it's the total opposite with like a really generic story and it elevates the whole movie mm. to a whole new level. Um, and Chanster, what have you been watching? Um, I have been far too busy to watch movies, but I did sneak in a little uh, Ed Wood just because oh. I was high on The Disaster Artist and it's the closest thing, that and Bowfinger. So I watched uh, the, uh, Ed Wood and 
I forgot how good mo- that movie was. It it is legitimately the Tim best Burton's Tim Burton's masterpiece. Absolutely, yeah, he's the only best one as far as I'm concerned. But that's another story. Oh, I still haven't seen Big Eyes. I've got it on DVD. Haven't seen it's it yet. Good. It, there's a lot of su- it's his most. That's his most, yeah, that's his most subtle movie film. because it's the least Tim Burtony movie. But there's so much of him in it and in cool. the the way it's coloured, like specifically because it's about a painter, that when you watch it, the colours and specifically where they use colours in the frame is like, it's really exquisite. It's his most subtle and most um, precise movie, I'd say. But yeah, Ed Wood is, oh, there's so much good stuff about it. Like uh, the way they shape the character. Just the opening scene sold me on that movie. And and then the, uh, the ending is one of, See, I kind of feel like it's how they should have ended the Disaster Artist. Uh, like, I understand that so much of the Disaster Artist is how Tommy reacted afterwards. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Ed Wood, it ends with the cinema. The movie is about to start, Plan Nine from Outer Space, and it's like, this is the one. This is the one they'll remember me by. And that's the end of the movie. And yeah. then it just comes up with a title screen that says, Edward died an alcoholic and penniless. Yay, good times. <laughs> it was seen, like such a feel-good movie until you that point. Seen See, oh, it's so good. Put it on, put it on your on list. list. It's, it's yeah. excellent. Well, it's I, like one of Johnny Depp's only good performances. Yeah, I actually Absolutely. disagree with you like, with like, like, because like the, the way Edward ends is perfect for how Edward lived his life and then the way Disaster Arts ends is perfect for how Tommy it's lives in, his life. Yeah, yeah, it's true. What, what, life. Found in, what I found interesting about Disaster Artist is that the ending of it is completely fabricated in that the screening didn't run that way. It went yeah. badly, didn't it? it oh, no one like, showed. It was way later where he... Decided to make it like say it was a black months comedy. And yeah, months yeah, yeah, and yeah. Months yeah. And what they did is they just condensed it into all happening on the opening night of the film, which I get why, and because yeah. they're trying to tell that sense. story. Yeah. But then they kind of did the titles at the end. I hate, I hate when movies are telling true stories. I'd love a true story movie to not have the the three or four title cards at the end of it. They just bugs me. Um, <laughs> really, I love it. I, I love knowing I, what, what happened. Well, yeah, but, but it's like, if you me... want to know what happened to Tommy next, Google it, idiot. But, yeah, 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 but like it pulls, it pulls me out of the, especially if it's a good Google movie. It. I saw another movie, but we'll talk about that on next week's one, um, that the movie, just the cinema in the movie was like the filmmaking was exquisite and then the title cards were just nowhere near as good as the rest of the movie. Sure. Um, um, they can work, like Dunkirk, it works really well in Dunkirk, but he uses the titles to screw with your expectations in that. we Like the titles, the first titles that come up, it's like what's happening in Dunkirk and then it's one, uh, the mole, two, the sea, three, the sky. And then one hour, one week, one hour, one week, one day, one hour. And and then that just like that's the whole crux of that movie. It's really good. But anyway, what have you? I mean, you've what have you been watching, Mansell? Uh, I've seen the same as Josh. So I watched Star Wars and I watched Disaster Artist. Did you like Star Wars? Are you a big Star Wars fan? Uh, look, I don't want to say I'm a big Star Wars fan because I don't think I can. Re- I don't retain information very well, so I can't really remember. Have you learned all, but I've lines? Seen all of them. Yeah, seen, yeah. Right. I don't know. My I only learn them for the day that I need them, and then they're gone the next he, day. They're he does the Marlon Brando thing where you like write the lines on a baby's head and just read off of that. Oh, Wait, what? Sure, uh, the Godfather. He, apparently he was reading right. his lines off oh, of the baby's I could head do the Johnny Depp thing where I get a like a little thing. Oh, in my yeah. Yeah. But did anyone see that clip of Jessica Chastain? Someone uh, asked yeah. her. And she was like, "Sassing." Yeah, she was like, "She's like, oh, he's like oh, Johnny Depp gets his lines fed into me, and she just says it's the best eye roll." Yeah, <laughs> and they go, "What's your technique for remembering lines?" She's she goes, like, uh-huh. "Well, I just guess I, my technique is working hard." Yeah, <laughs> the best shutdown of Johnny Depp. But that's interesting. Every actor is different. Apparently, Jennifer Lawrence. Learns her lines in the makeup, in while in makeup, she just picks them up and see. But she hasn't done an Aaron Sorkin movie. 
I feel yeah. like there are some movies you couldn't you could, do that. I, mean, on. I think she's Tarantino, got a good memory for it. I know it, Tarantino, he he's so strict about sticking to his words because he's one of those writers where every every like comma and space and articulation like in it is a part of the way the story does and it tells something about the character, tells something about the story. Mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin's the same way. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you have a chance of working on a Tarantino film or an Aaron Sorkin film, man. <laughs> so you're great, you're in. Let's uh, hope so. Let's uh, hope so, yeah. fingers crossed. But uh, the thing about Disaster Riders was that I found it depressingly relatable. Depressingly? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was depressing. It hopeful? Oh, look, I was worried because I'm, I'm planning on, I've written and I'm currently producing and directing and acting in a film soon. <laughs> Uh, if it all works out, and uh, your accent is no, all wrong. Actually, <laughs> I can is that really the, is that, that short you sent me? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, we're having disaster after disaster. No pun intended. <laughs> That's how you make movies. Uh, come up at the moment. So I'm trying to solve all that from Brisbane in Sydney. <laughs> um, and so we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I just found it. Uh, I was like, what if I'm terrible? What if I'm just creating work for myself? But you've done stuff before. You yeah, had like some litmus test. Like people have kept hiring you. Well, so. that's true. It's the inner critic though. It's the worst, isn't it? Yeah, but I think if you don't have that, that's when you're bad. Mm. Like well, if yeah, you don't have so- an inner critic, that's when you know, like that's the people who are the worst are the ones who have zero inner critic. Yeah. Can't separate yourself from your own work and be like, yeah. Okay. The one that bugs me in the wish we could turn off is the imposter syndrome. Yeah, that I just I get that all the time. I'm like, why the like oh i just uh, i can't i can't switch it off but i like i i get happy like listening to interviews with people that i admire and they all have it they all have the imposter syndrome yeah. too so i'm like at least i'm not suffering alone well i just want the same boat yes like, yes yeah. except for oh who is i gonna say no oh, wait, we won't name your name <laughs> <laughs> i don't know uh, if you're talking about like some big director or like some we person jerry from accounting oh, yeah, no, <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay, let's let's circle back onto the topic now that we finished our first segment in the middle of the episode. Um, it's like professionally versus because like, you've done big stuff and you've also mm-hmm. done like micro budget, no budget, sure, and big stuff. Is there a difference between race in both worlds? Oh, sure. As in, uh, in the casting of or in the crewing of that, and in the writing of the way you see it on 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 the page. I mean, absolutely. I think, yeah. I I, I just worked on a set just like last week uh, where I was playing a tortured Arab. Uh, it was subversive. A, and uh, the one was you doing was the alt-right themed. It wasn't alt-right themed. It was just about some very racist men and so it was the condemning their actions. <laughs> it, well, yeah, they, yeah they, take, they basically take me hostage because I'm a Muslim man of colour and uh, torture me on a beach. Uh, and so, but that was crewed entirely with a white crew, which I found interesting while I was sitting there on the beach having the crap beat out of me being told <laughs> did you to find go back it, to my, you where I came it, from. <laughs> did you find it was like despite that, that there was like, because I find, I find there's sort of two ways people kind of go about it is there's like when the intentions are good and the results might be a little bit messy because they're a bit ignorant, I think a bit of education helps. But then you can run into some people. I know some low budget people. We won't name names because uh, we all know them. But um, they were talking. They got into a conversation about casting actors of color, just making, trying to make an effort. Because I really want to make an effort with my next thing to put out a casting call and put like maybe at the top of the thing, just something like saying we encourage racially diverse applicants. I in feel all the like roles. it's something we have to do. It was something I was going to ask Mansa about what you think of that because I feel like just because of, I think in total I had three people of color, and to be fair, one of them I'm writing a feature film for. Uh, but yeah, I, I had no people of color 
come and apply for my film and I'm like, is it because I didn't explicitly say it or? I mean, I think it's probably because those people of colour haven't got a lot of exposure and don't really know where to look as well. So I think as filmmakers we're a bit responsible to try and find those people of colour to audition for our shows and and films. Um, And you can do that just by contacting like the Actors Union and saying, oh, could no. you send a brief out? But, then if, you, the but then if you're like doing, because we tend to work in the no budget lane, does the actors union like it's go, so fine. Ooh, no. no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Bali Pada is a good friend of mine, is the head of the diversity committee in Sydney. And he takes notices all the time and plasters them all over Facebook groups. There's Facebook groups as well that you can find. Diversity oh, cool. in Colour, Oz Creative in Colour. Diversity in Colour. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Okay. Diversity in the arts, actually. Sorry, okay. my correction. Uh, and so I, I think it's, but yeah, I think Equity's put out a statement that you, that most casting directors attach, which is that we are looking to cast diversely and for everyone for every role. Cool. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, I think absolutely. And I mean, writing and as like you said, not keeping in mind uh, color is important, but also writing specifically colored roles that don't necessarily talk about culture is also important. Yeah, if you can write that a character. Well, that's what that's what my sure. kind of because Aaron Sorkin actually said a really it was a really articulate thing for a white man who's cast mostly white films to say, but he was like my. I'm a white writer and my job isn't to say this is what it's like to be a black person in America, but what I can do is I can write a role that I would write and cast a person of colour in it. Mm-hmm. And obviously that actor will be able to then bring stuff to the role. But that was my kind of thing. I was just kind of like, because I don't, I don't know that I can really, like I, like I write weird, big characters. I tend to have write weird, big characters and I'm just like, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think that I could write the the stoic drama about race just because who the fuck wants to watch that anymore? <laughs> I think we've got enough and they're all directed by white guys. So like like if, mm-hmm. if people of colour want to direct it, all power to them, do it, yay. But like we, we've, I've had enough of the drama stuff. But like that's kind of, they call it colourblind casting, which is a term that I find really, I've, I get a bit weird about. Really? I do because I, there was, uh, I was sort of, there was like this talk about this woman who talks about like racism, Jane Elliott, and she does this like the blue eyes, brown eyes mm-hmm. test thing with the audience. And she's like the whole point of colorblind. Like, I mean, how many times has someone walked up to you and said like, I don't see your race. I, you, you, I, I don't, you're not, you're not, you're not like, like has that wait, happened wait, to you? Jane, are you trying to tell me that Mansell is black? <laughs> what? Even what? I'm not aware oh. of this. What? Oh my God. <laughs> but has that God. happened to you? Uh, I mean, or does it come in conversation with and like I don't you know no no not really no oh really come uh, up to me and go like, oh I don't no see like color. like friends like like it's come up in a conversation that has gone to race oh sure uh, see, not often I think I no. surround myself with quite intelligent a lot of the, people a lot of the time it seems to come from like a point of as opposed to just like because I want to call it unrestricted casting because that's I it's, think that's it's a great that's a much better a a term because colorblind is like we're going to pretend you're not brown <laughs> in order to feel comfortable with you playing this role yes. and like basically ignoring the it. race yeah. as as opposed to just saying opening it up um, it's not like I mean, it's, I it mean, seems like a matter of semantics. Smart, but I think maybe colorblind was a real conscious effort at the. At I mean, the it's start catchier. Of this casting it's certainly catchier. to really make it clear because it's not. I mean, diversity is not just about color; it's about everything: disability, um, size, and so 
yeah, maybe unrestrictive is probably where we should move to. But to start with, I think it was important to say colorblind in the sense that yeah. please stop casting white people in all of these yeah, yeah. black people roles <laughs> or um, brown people roles. roles. So, well, I think that's, that's sort of the big... T- oh, there's. do you have any horror stories? I mean, you've said oh, one. God. There was that story of that uh, theatre company in Brisbane that cast In the Heights, a musical about Latinx people... And cast all white yeah, people that was, in the that leads, was this morning. and then yeah. it, they cast yeah. Latino people in the like the ensemble, yeah. and it was just like, "What <laughs> the fuck are you doing?" It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, thankfully, there was, they got like there was a lot of, lot of backlash, and they yeah. got can, and then a Sydney theatre company is casting it with all Latino people. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, there, was, there was a uh, version of Hairspray. So there were two in Brisbane, which mm-hmm. is fun. Uh, one specifically where they couldn't really get enough black people, so they kind of like. Uh, they filled it out with maybe Hispanic people, maybe maybe some other people of color, sure. you know. And then there was another one where they found one black person, and everyone else in the black community are apparently white. Who would have known? The hairspray. What's interesting <laughs> is the program for hairspray actually says we prefer that you don't use black face. So oh if you can't find people, then cast it however you can. Oh right. So it actually gives permission to theater companies. Oh wow. Whereas with in the Heights, it is written for the purpose of creating jobs for people of colour. So yeah. you actually mm. just contradicting the reason that show was even written. I wow. No, that person, that same person who was ta- I was telling you about, she, the, they said, um, <laughs> I just kind of suppose, they were like, because this subject got on, and they were kind of saying, well, if, if they're the best actor, then blackface is okay. And I'm like, no, what is wrong with you? Why would a singer is a classic, guys. <laughs> First film to win Oscar for Best Picture. But let's, let's, I think that's a good place to sort of end that conversation because we've got a couple of good. I think I've, I've told you the horror stories, yeah. I think. I don't think I have many more. I've actually been really lucky. I don't think I've had to really play into the stereotype too much. Not too much. Um, so, like, let's talk about just to acting in general. What kind of uh, what do you look for in a role? Uh, I guess I just look for real stories. You know, real people. Real stories like Star Wars about real stories like Star Wars. Fantasy, and, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, I, real stories. But for me, I mean, I love comedy. I'd love, I'd love for Australia to start doing more sitcomy stuff. I don't know if it is the reason is our comedy doesn't our humor doesn't translate into TV or what it might be that we don't have fast-paced sitcoms. Trip for Biscuits was like a fast-paced sitcom. It was sitcom. very 30 Rock. I found a very 30 Rock yeah, style. Yeah, which means we're capable and I think people found it humorous. Yeah, so just, I don't know why get, That's like a whole different discussion because people Screen don't... Australia is facilitating yeah. anything. It's not just that. It's just people don't... It's a lot of Australian people who are in charge of the things, not just the, the government mm. institutions, but everywhere they don't want... There's like this... Push back against Americanization of TV, but I'm like, when our primetime TV shows are American shows, yeah. <laughs> you should probably go with the flow. Yeah. And then we can make it like Trip for Biscuits might be that kind of pace and tone, but it's very, it has a weird Australian oh, yeah. tint, kink to it. Absolutely. Is that a word? Um, so I'd love to see more of that. Is I'd there any see- genres you'd love to, to be in? Oh, God. I mean, look, comedy is the big one, I think. Sitcom comedy and ensemble comedy is what I, I really love. Ensemble comedy? Yeah, like just being able to bounce off a whole bunch of people. Okay, cool. Something mm. community-esque. Commun- oh, yeah. Which yes. I guess is True for Biscuits. So, like, I'm lucky oh, enough yes. that I've already done it, I what guess. What you're saying but is you love True for Biscuits. I really love True for Biscuits. I wish we got a season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it not in talks or is it just not happening? Uh, I think it might be. I think uh, the producer is working real hard, but there doesn't seem to be enough support for it. 
Oh. Sign the petition, oh. guys. We're gonna start yeah, we should get start a petition. Just, start start change the just, just put st- like make it a title about Star Wars something something, and then change the title of it. So then we've got like a million signatures. <laughs> now that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Do you, do you have any advice for actors or people who want to act, or specifically actors of color? Uh, yeah. So I think I think training is important. And I think that's just uh, industry smart as well. 100% yes. I think it it not only gives you experience where you might not be able to find experience before, but it just means that you're putting in time and effort into your craft and you're obviously really serious about it as well. Uh, I think if you do study, you can open a lot of doors into the casting world and get to know people um, and and where to go uh, for castings and all that business as well. Uh, what do you call it? Com- community and uh, networking is a big thing that I found when I was uh, studying acting. Mm-hmm. You get to know so many more people and it opens up those opportunities so much more. Absolutely. And you get to play in a safe environment and learn what it is that you do well. And it's always fun to do, do it rather than to just talk about doing it. I find that's yeah. the same thing with filmmakers specifically is there's a lot of people like, I'm writing that script. I'm like, well, finish it. <laughs> and then you can make it. But also read a book about writing or like just or look watch, at, or read some stuff. Yeah, read so and many watch people just movies create stuff without any sort of experience. Watch movies, watch shows, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, do just, research. Or just, yeah, gain like do stuff outside of film as well because then you can gain more of an open. Yeah. No, I've just started space. I've just started trying to broaden my horizons and look at like art and art history yeah. and stuff like nice. that because Guillermo del Toro is my favorite filmmaker. That's what he does and I'm kind of prepping maybe for a, a horror feature and I really want to pull from a lot of other sources and it's going to be very del toro-esque in the way we sort of create it so i'm trying to pull from the same kind of sources that he does Mm -hmm. rather than just pulling from your favorite people go back and see who they stole from and then see who they stole from and then you can follow sort of the track and then you can kind of see the shape of how it goes and then then you have like a better grasp on it i think and doing i think uh doing sort of a film degree helps you with acting as much as acting sort of helps with directing yeah. Um, I think I learned more I about ev- directing anyone, while I was at drum, for drama school than I did at film Anyone school. who wants to be a director needs to take an acting, acting class. Acting course, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know Darren Aronofsky specifically took an acting course and did the work up until he could cry on cue and then quit. Because then he was like, yeah, now that wow. I can do that, I know how I can make a movie. It's interesting. No, no, I'm not asking actors to do something that I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's really good. Well, I think that's a really good place to wrap it up. We will finish with our top five. And Mansour, you have picked our top, what our top five will be for this week. And, and what is it? I have indeed. It's uh, uh, movies or shows that we loved as children that we didn't realise were completely whitewashed. It's, uh, and there's a surprisingly large amount, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Any show, anything made before the 2000s is pretty exceedingly white. Pretty I white. Think. Yeah, I think. Well, I'll go with my top five. I tried to add shows, but I realized a lot of the shows I watched because I didn't get into TV until a little later. I had a, you know, I've said this on a previous podcast. I had a very restricted childhood as far as things I watched, so I kind of got into it when it was a little bit more diverse. And then I was just drawn to shows that had better. The plotting was more like what I did. Those shows happened to have prominent people of color, but um, as uh, minor all movies. So I got uh, Magnolia, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top five. And despite the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson has done people of color in a lot of his movies, that movie is very, 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 very white. But it's got Tom Cruise in it. You need to watch it because Tom Cruise I'm is your favorite Tom actor. Cruise fan. Big Tom Cruise. I don't know if he's my favorite actor, but I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's his. <laughs> best. Magnolia is his best performance. A hundred percent. No, I've, yeah, I've seen it. I loved it. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. Oh, because you hadn't seen it last time we talked. Magnolia. Yeah. Oh, really? Magnolia is the one. No, where I definitely it's like, have watched it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there you go. Um, the Impossible. 
because I think mm-hmm. it's a great movie and it's very specifically whitewashed because the people it's based on were not white and then they cast Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor and Tom That's Holland like... in it. It's an excellent movie and it's directed by a person of colour and the people who were, the story is based off also approved of the movie so it's a weird behind the scenes The person scene of colour wouldn't have been in, the, in charge of that decision though. The, the casting, oh, the director it was would have had a whole it, production company. That but it was like, an independent. It wasn't a studio oh, was film. It? No, he, he shot it in Mexico and everything. But surely there was like, oh, I mean, there was probably there was money people like we need to people, get yeah, yeah money people. Um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow mm-hmm. is a great movie. Tom Cruise again? It's, yeah, Tom Cruise in a lot of these movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Cruise if he's my favorite or your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a feeling that Tom Cruise might be white. Oh my god! I think, but look, if you watch Mission Impossible, even the first, or th- uh, I was just Ving, one the other Ving day. Rames is. Oh wait, no, and Ving- it's very diverse. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I fucking oh. love Mission. Wait, you watched Mission Impossible two the other? Why Mission Impossible two? That's the one I watched the TV. least. Yeah. Okay, fair and enough. I had nothing. I had no uh, access to internet. Um, and then enough, I've got uh, uh, so my <laughs> next my next list is uh, Amelie. Uh, which is just all white. It's a very good movie, but it's all white. Uh, and then Whiplash, because Whiplash is a movie about jazz and there are no black people yeah. in it yeah. other than a teacher who's in it for two <laughs> scenes. So, Well, as we know, jazz is a very white... White person jazz. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Damien. Yeah. I thought uh, white men created jazz. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, oh. Josh, what are yours? Well, in saying that, I guess if you could... On the other side, like Whiplash slash La La Land, because there's more about white people. <laughs> well, La La Land yeah. technically does I mean, have a prominent supporting character who has influence yeah, on the plot. But, so, yeah. yeah. Good old Damien. But still. Yeah. 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 Um, Would have loved to have seen like Michael B. Jordan in the lead. Michael La La G. Jordan Land. can't yeah. sing though, can he? Actually, no, like every, um, stereotype back, every black man can sing. Uh, last year in our directing class, we did like a workshop of recasting La La Land. Uh-huh. And, like in like a new like cast, like. An ethnic role in it. I was just like, this is. I, I actually said like Michael B. Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. it's been so fun. Um, the next pick, Argo, because that was Ben Affleck yep. playing Tony Mendez, a CIA agent who was Hispanic in real life. So thanks for that. Uh, oh shit, that just ruined that movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not look that up. That's terrible of me. Yeah. Uh, well, like Batman Begins, you know, Rachel Gould, Liam Neeson was a white man. It's an Asian role, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. they kind That's of subverted it in that. But I mean, like way. in that respect, I think the Asian villain kung fu master is a terrible cliche. So maybe there was a thought it went wrong, probably. But maybe there was a thought yeah. as to let's not do that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in and in, in Drive, even like Carrie Mulligan, her role was like she was meant to be Latino in the original source material. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and then my but his co- his girlfriend in the movie was. No, no, her, her no, role was, was to be was, Latina. Of yeah. Eva Mendez, and she's not in that film. Is she? No, no, no she's not. Eva she's in Pines. Yes, with Gosling. Yeah, Derek yeah. Sirif. Yeah, the other Gosling. Good. Um, the other one, Edge of Tomorrow, yeah, because it's based on a Japanese manga. Yeah, Japanese. Yeah. yeah. No, chancer. Uh, so I didn't actually make a list. I decided to just lift off five things I liked as a child and find out if they were whitewashed. <laughs> and even thinking about them, I was like, yeah, no, that was. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld. Yep. That was whitewashed. Yep. Uh, was there even a black character in that entire show? He might have dated a black Ooh. girl in an episode. Oh, that's Maybe. interesting. She hasn't in the first three seasons because that's where I'm up to rewatching it with my wife uh-huh. at the moment. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, interesting. Um, uh, next one was going to be Evil Dead. Definitely whitewashed. Uh, they are all white in all three movies, I want to say. But yeah, in uh, not, Ash vs. Evil Dead, yeah, not you do serious, have a Hispanic, get, yeah. uh, two Hispanic characters. So that's good. Um, next one I wanted to say, um, 
Let me just scroll through, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, Godzilla, the 1997 one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the remake of uh, You had one Asian character who was always like, let no, them And fight. then the mum who died at uh, the beginning of the movie. The mum was Asian, wasn't she? No, she was no. French. But, no, no, she? Brian Cranston's wife in the movie. In yeah, the she was... Isn't that a French actress? I can't... I distinctly remember her being Asian. Okay, <laughs> maybe no, not. They, they I were, could be wrong. They were in Asia. Um, the next one I want to say is any of the Monty Pythons. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Knives. Oh, good point. Knives. I forgot about knives. I'm racist. And uh, <laughs> like glove. And, the then, and, then, I... and then and then and uh, then Patel. What's his name? Uh, he was a uh, he was Matthew one of the Patel. evil exes. He was there for five Character seconds this year. Did a he's Bollywood a very, number. And died. He's a very iconic character. That is true. Uh, but the last one I want to talk about was Harry Potter. I want to say. Goblet of Fire, but it might be uh, Order of the Phoenix because in the first... No, Kingsley's in Order of the Phoenix. I mean, it's a tiny role, but Goblet of Fire has the least people of no, color because one word and it's the kid who goes, Aura, and he's from How to Get Away with Murder. That's the only line spoken by a person of color. I specifically want to talk about Harry Potter because in the books, they never, they never specify Lavender Brown's uh, ethnicity at all. And then in the sixth book, she became, it was the sixth or fifth, when she becomes a love interest for Ron. She's one. And in the movies, she is literally a black character until that happened in the books. Is Boom, she? she's white. Yeah. When yeah. does that happen? Uh, I, I, I want to say it's the Goblet of Fire, but I, but I may be wrong there. There's some background roles where I saw that, hey, it's like Lavender. And like, she's yeah, they, clearly they, like, yeah, it's clearly yeah. she's a black person and that's yeah. meant to be Lavender Brown. Probably because her last name's Brown. I don't know. But the moment she became a love interest for Ron, she boom, she's Oof. white and blonde. That's I can't remember rough. if after the fifth book they actually mentioned that she's white and blonde in the book. But I remember <laughs> love interest, got to be white, got to make so that white. Because Cho Chang obviously was. Yeah, Cho Chang was. And I, uh, I I love that. I love that. Although, to be fair, this is me being a stupid child. I remember not even realizing she was Asian, the woman called Cho Chang, until I saw the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, now that totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, well, Mentor, what are your top five? My top five. I feel all like right. your top five might be interesting. No, they're Mainly not really. because we're all white. So. Yeah. Mind you, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Which was I still haven't seen holy that shit! One. Yeah, seen no, that I know, I know. Movie? I know. Movies to not see. That's the one that everyone keeps. I, I need to be in the right frame of mind. That's not one you can just casually put on. I agree with that. And it's not a feel good movie, so it's not the kind of one you just put on whenever. I feel like mm. you need to be. in I the disagree. Right mind. I watch that like that's my I've Christmas watched that watch movie. Like I think I've watched it like fifteen <laughs> times. I think oh I might have watched God. it more than fifteen times. Michelle Gondry's a great director, though. Oh, Incredible absolutely. director. Um, Friends. Friends, yeah. yeah. Friends. See, I never got into Friends. But oh, look, I didn't really get into it, but I think as a child I watched a lot of it. And for me that was sort of going through yeah. and going, okay, well, this is this is what you want to do. Like for me, I was like, I want to be in the cast of Friends, but didn't even think, well, Have you seen? Be. Did you see, who, who's it, Jay-Z or something did a music video and the opening of the music video is they literally just do a scene from Friends with all black actors. They've got like no. Issa, Issa Rae from, do you watch Insecure on HBO? I haven't, but I've... You- gotta watch it's so funny and she she's a showrunner and the star of it and it's phenomenal but um they did a scene from friends just with all black actors and it was weird because it just highlights how white that show is but then also they they friends was stolen from uh, queen latifah had a show called something in brooklyn or something like that and it's the exact same setup Mm-hmm. And it ran for like five seasons and Friends started like three seasons afterwards and there was like a same production company or something. They basically like stole all the Friends wow. from black people. Well, so. so Friends is appropriating black culture? Yep. The 100%. whitest show ever 
is appropriating black co- yep. this is amazing well, so that's why i love there's Prime a show called stuff. happy endings which is the friend set up yeah yeah but it's a much i mean it's not that much more diverse there's only one black guy but it's an interracial relationship there's a gay character and it's that more snappy 30 rock absurdist banter which is like i reckon you love it i know these two i yeah. i got chance to onto it it's such one a good of the show. things you've forced me to watch it's my favorite comedy they show even mentioned like which one of the friends they are as well They're like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> they have a joke about which ones they are <laughs> Uh, so that's did that's they did they acknowledge they you said something about they acknowledged in like season I seven. I think in season seven Ross had a black girlfriend. And that's it. That was their acknowledgement, I think. Oh, that's rough. Uh Buffy, the vampire slayer, which yep. mm. was very progressive for feminism, like in the fact that there was a strong female lead and multiple female leads, but no real people of colour, except for the later seasons, but I think there was a black slayer. Oh really? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Season three. She pops up in season, season three. three. Uh, Whiplash also. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And to go yeah. back to La La Land, you say Michael B. Jordan can't sing. Can Emma Stone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Checkmate, motherfucker. Mm, I don't you know. try and pull that off live, mate, because oh, all her singing was live. Oh. I mean, I'm sure it could have been auto-tuned afterwards and post. No, it wasn't. No, all wasn't their stuff. Because you can hear, because you see, like, especially watch the, if you watch it again, which you probably won't, but the roommate song... And she, every line she sings is done live and all the roommates are done afterwards and auto-tuned and you can notice or even just listen to the song. I don't think she did a very good song uh, performance. I did because it wasn't singing. a singing-centric movie in that way. But, but so the in which Michael, case, Jordan, Michael B. Jordan would be great. But Ryan Gosling, what? what Michael Gosling. B. Jordan as Emma Stone's character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. No, no. Michael <laughs> B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, movie? Creed Reunion. But then, yeah, you, right. then you would literally have Ryan Gosling white splaining jazz to a black person <laughs> as opposed to him just doing it to Emma Stone. Oh, God. Uh, and the final one that I've got is the OC. Oh, God, I also, yes. you know. I mean, look, affluent LA doesn't necessarily... Which is... There's probably a, an accurate representation of that world. just saw a pilot for a series with all people of colour set in the OC. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's about the fact that they, they exist... And how, <laughs> and how their lives are just like everybody else's, but they're people of color. Oh, and I was like, good. "Oh, that's good." Because in my head, audition I was like, for that show in LA uh, for the new sh- no, it's just a, it's just a it's created by the performers. They're creating oh, the work, right. okay, and putting right. it out there to see if anyone would pick it up. That's because good. that's the way to What's get yourself out there, isn't you know it? What's called? That's a great question. I wish I did know. Okay, the name well, of it. we'll put it in the show notes if we can. If I we can, can definitely find it. send you a link. Um, oh, well, that I guess that wraps up our episode. Uh, thank you for coming on My and coming on, pretty much coming all the way from Sydney. Uh, just for you guys, just for you guys. <laughs> just for us, just for us. You've um, got to go catch a plane back now, right? That's right, yeah. 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 Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook at Mighty Motion Picture Rangers and on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. You can find me at Shane M underscore Anderson on Twitter. Find me at that Sundance kid, all caps, yelling at you, but I love you on Twitter. That's a really long username. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you have enough characters for that. Uh, I'm at Chancester uh, on Twitter, but at the Chancester on Instagram, and follow me on Instagram. It's far more exciting. Instagram's a good one. And you, Mansour? Uh, I'm at at the Mansour Show on Twitter and at Mansour a photo on Instagram. Your name is very punnable. <laughs> Um, you, I think you go like man saw man. What's, man, my head is sore. No, 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 no. Like you, like you, the man, man came, uh, man, man saw, came, man, man, saw, man, man conquered, conquered, man conquered. That's a lot you can do with it. Um, and you can find uh, this and other great podcasts on our network at that's not There's some great stuff, musicals. There's another movie one. There's some D and D ones. So have a look there. And thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.